Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. Good to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. And I'm amazed that my man Michael Lombardi is even here because you know how sometimes you have a friend at the office and their favorite team loses and all of a sudden they're pissed off. Well, listen, Mike is always here to support the cause, but that was, and we're recording this on a Thursday, one of the all-time toughest Philadelphia 76er losses. We're going to end with that so Mike can build up and get all of his emotion out, but that was obviously a very tough <laughs> loss in game five. But my man is here with us and we got plenty of football to talk about. Let's start kicking off first with the Bears. I don't want to believe this headline, Mike. They're sticking with Dalton over Fields. My ass is what I want to say. Bears coach Matt Nagy stating there's no quarterback competition. Andy Dalton's a star. Number 11 overall pick, Justin Fields, is the backup. Let's first listen to Nagy on Chris Collinsworth podcast before we weigh in. Is there a possible scenario where Justin Fields plays on opening night? No. I mean, Andy is our starter, and, and Justin's our number two, and we are going to put, we're going to stick to this plan. Andy is, is where we want him to be. He's had a great OTAs and we're just going to continue to build with that and do this, stick to what we're, where we're at. And that's where I, I truly feel confident about that. I don't think there's any way we have to force somebody in there. I think it'll just be naturally, it'll be organic and it's going to be the best for the bears. And, and that's in the end what this is all about. All right. Well, obviously, I don't believe him, Mike. Your thoughts? Well, you wonder why the bears were 25th in the National Football League and second half points scored. For on the first drive, because he just laid it all out there. My man Nagy just laid it all out there. That's the plan. See, the, what he just said to you is we're never going to be able to adjust to the plan because once we put the plan in place, you know, that's the plan. We got to stick to it. It's the plan. We can't leave the plan. Even though the plan's shitty, we got to stick to the plan. Like the way Chris asked the question, 
it was so perfect for him to say, Chris, you know, I, I, I really like to think it's going to be Andy, but you know competition better than anybody. I can't predict the future. We're going to roll the ball out there. We're going to coach player, each player the hardest. And if the first guy wins, if Andy wins it, great. If, if Justin wins it, I have no preconceived idea of who's going to win any of the 22 starting jobs, including Khalil Mack, because we all have to be better. We were not good enough last year. We were eight and eight. We lost the playoff game. We got killed. We were we were one of the worst teams when we blitzed last year. We couldn't pressure the quarterback. So my answer is more global than just specific to the quarterback position. I am going to just watch. I am never going to begin with the end in mind, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> Why did he say that? Like, like he thinks he's he thinks it's a demonstration of tremendous leadership by saying, I'm sticking to the plan, even though there's, you know, even though they're going to get us killed on the other side, we're sticking to the plan. You know, I mean, like, seriously, what happens if Andy Dalton sucks in preseason? What happens if Andy Dalton's playing on one leg in preseason is to stick it to the plan? Like, like your answers. This is where I think. You don't create stability within an organization. And I wrote this for the Daily Coach this week because, and I really think this is important as leaders, as coaches that listen to this podcast, the words you choose are ultimately responsible for the behavior of the team. And so when you create stability, you can create stability by what you say. Stability, we confuse with, well, we've been here for five years. That's not stability. Stability is, look, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we have to do it. Here's where we're going. Stability of thought, stability of purpose, stability of competition. Those are things we have to coach. You can't just say, ah, I'm going to, what happens if this guy doesn't throw an incomplete pass for the next 10 weeks? We're going to ignore it or we stick it to the plan? Yeah, listen, we've heard this before, Mike, from coaches, right? Hey, you know, this is our guy, blah, blah. So, like, it shouldn't be that surprising. But I just think it's interesting that just because a guy's in a one year, $10 million deal, like, you shouldn't just automatically assume he's a starter just because he's been the starter elsewhere. Like, this isn't like Andy Dalton has never been a backup. Like, he was a starting quarterback for Cincinnati, had mixed results, goes to Dallas where he's a backup, gets pressed into duty because Prescott's hurt. So we, we, we shouldn't have this image of Andy Dalton being, oh, well, because they signed Dalton, he's clearly a starter. No, like Dallas signed him to be a backup. So it's not that surprising if I said to you, oh, Chicago, uh, you know, drafted this flashy prospect who has big potential and Dalton's their backup. Like, I don't, I just don't understand why Nagy needs to do this publicly. Why can't you just say, you know what? We'll see who's better. It's an open competition. Why do you need to stick your neck out and say, Dalton's the guy? I mean, is it just to satisfy his ego? I don't get it. Well, because twofold, because you really, you know, you really don't know what you're doing as a head coach because you're trying to create competition as a leader. I say that as a head coach, that's probably wrong. As a leader, he doesn't demonstrate leadership skills. He doesn't because he thinks he's doing the right thing by saying he thinks he's making Andy Dalton happy. His job is to make Andy Dalton happy. His job is to win games. So he thinks in his mind, if he plays Dalton, it's going to guarantee him to not get fired because if he can get nine wins, 10 wins, they won't fire. If he plays the rookie, oh shit, we're going to lose games. I'm in trouble. No, no, play the rookie. But the problem here is this is the perfect example of why Matt Nagy's not a leader guy as a head coach. Matt Nagy doesn't have the leadership skills to do it. It's pretty obvious. He's trying to create competition at every position on his team. Meanwhile, he gave Andy Dalton the starting job based on what? 
This this isn't Dan. We didn't just sign Danny Marino. We just didn't sign Peyton Manning. Like we just didn't sign Tom Brady. We signed Andy fucking Dalton. Like we signed a guy that just this. He's a backup quarterback. Like even when he came out of TCU, he was okay. Maybe he could be good enough. Maybe you know. Remember when Puss said when the when the Kolar brothers went away? Maybe. Well, maybe we found out the maybe. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand it. Like, if you're the general manager, if you're Ryan Pace and this guy works for you, hey, make sure we have open comp. We want to tell people we have open competition. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. If that's the way you want to do it, hey, this will satisfy Andy Dalton. This will appease him. Hey, the pressure's off on the rookie. Whatever. I just think ultimately, Mike, people are smarter than he realizes. Like any Chicago Bears fan knows, guess what? It feels lights up in training camp. You bet your ass he better be starting. That fan base has been dying for a quarterback. They don't want to see Andy Dalton get a chance for three or four games. Why waste any sort of time? And to be clear, if Fields doesn't look good and Dalton's the guy, fine. I just don't think you need to stick to a plan. That's all my thing is. I don't disagree with you, AD. I mean, I think the plan is we're going to keep evaluating. The plan is we need more plants. The plan is we're going to keep planning. Like, that's the plan. Like the plan is we're going to we're planning to win games. Like the plan is to get more plants. Like that's the plan. Uh, I know you're working another book. I want that to be a chapter in there just for me. The plan is to get more plans, and you can go into that chapter of the book and point out stupid decisions that people made. I think that's a good title. Well, you know, one of the things about leadership. You know, one of the things we talk about leadership all the time is, and I think that he uh, Nagy violates the first rule: common sense. Common sense. If you're going to lead anybody in, whether it's disruptive times, you know, I'm fortunate I get asked to talk to a lot of colleges in the country, and I'm more than happy to do it. If you want me to do it, just send a letter in. I'll be more than happy to do it. I don't charge anybody for it. I mean, I love to talk to coaches. I love to do that. One of the things to me, when somebody just asked me to do a presentation on Monday about leading in disruptive times, and I thought, well, when isn't times been disruptive, right? Like, when aren't they? You know, just listen to Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, you know, and and everything's disruptive in the whole song, you know? And so, like, we're always in disruptive times. So what's the tangible evidence that you must do every day in leadership? What The number one thing is common sense. Common sense tells you to lead with common sense. Common sense says, if I say he's the starter, how does that affect everybody else on the team? That's just common fucking sense. Like, why would you do that? Because you think you've been trained to make the quarterback feel good. You can't let him. No, he needs to feel competition. See, this is what happens when you get an offensive coach as your head coach who doesn't have any toughness. He doesn't want to put any pressure on anybody. You know what you get? You get the 76ers. We'll talk at the end of the conference. (laughs) That is a good tease ahead to that part of the conversation. Next up in terms of quarterbacks, rumors of the Raiders landing a high-profile quarterback could potentially be on the move. We've heard about Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, even Russell Wilson. Well, they've been circling for a while, and Derek Carr was asked about that this week. Take a listen to his response. I'm of the mindset, I'm that old school mentality. I'm playing for one team and that's it. You know, whether the situation is great or not, I, that's okay. People can say whatever they want. I know what I've put on film. I know the things that I've been able to accomplish. And I still want more. There's still more. And I want to do it here. I don't want to do it anywhere else. I've said it over and over again. I, I'd probably quit football if I had to play for somebody else. You know, I, I am a Raider for my entire life. I'm going to root for one team for the rest of my life. And uh, it's the Raiders. 
Well, I'll say this for Derek Carr. His numbers last year, Mike, he had a great year. Over 4,100 yards passing, 27 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Like when you're going three to one touchdown to picks for him on over 4,000 yards passing, you get my attention. Now, their overall one loss record, 47 and 65 since he was drafted. They've made the playoffs just once. But of course, the headline is, you know, if they got rid of him, I might just quit. I don't buy that for a second. But what do you make of his comments? You know, to me, I, I, look, first of all, the day and age that you work for one company and you get the gold watch on your 50th day of service and they send you off in retirement, you have a nice party, you get a set of steak knives, you know, Alex Baldwin comes in and gives you a set of steak <laughs> knives because yes. you did a good job. You know, like like that. those days you get a nice watch that you can wear in your retirement. You play golf the Monday after you retire. Like that shit ain't happening no more. Like people are moving around. It's the system. Like all he's got to say is, look, I love being here. I think my last three years with John Gruden, I've improved every year. I, I My first year, I threw 19 touchdown passes. Last year, I threw 27. I've cut down my interceptions. My quarterback rating's gone up. I'm doing everything I can. The disappointing thing is my team hasn't won. We've got to play better. And that starts with me. We all have to play better. That's it. Like, Raider for life? Who is a player for life? I mean, the Arizona Cardinals think they're getting compensatory picks for signing guys when they're at their end of their career. Derek Carr could go play for the— if, Say Derek Carr has 10 great years. He's ready to go to the Hall of Fame. He'll sign with the Cardinals, and they'll put him in. You know, that's what they do. So, like, for me, like, just—what what are, are you talking about? Yeah, we know you love the Raiders, but you got to win. Like, you got to win. You can't control anything but how you play. And what bothers me the most is how sensitive he is to the information. That's what bothers me is don't listen to it. Don't react to it. Live in the moment. Stay in the moment. Don't give a shit. What do you care what they say? You just control what you can control. And that's the message. If I were the head coach of the Raiders, I would call Carr in and say, hey, hey, look, just worry about you. Don't worry about whether you're going to get the gold watch in five years. Don't worry about if you get the retirement party and we get a cake. Like, just worry about today. Yeah, first prize is the Cadillac. Second prize is the steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. Oh, do I have your attention now? <laughs> um, for Derek Carr, you know, we, we appreciate loyalty. But like you said, Mike, in today's world, everyone has 10 jobs. Are you kidding me? Look at you. You've got, you work for Vason, you work for Cadence 13, you write for The Athletic, you're working on a book. Like, as you said, in today's world, you're not just going to be a door-to-door sales working for one company for 25 years. So I, I, I have no issue with much of what he said. It's just that one line I didn't care for. I think if he had just said, listen, man, I think in a good year, I love playing for the Raiders. I'm very loyal to these guys. But whatever happens, happens. That's fine. It's just that line of, if they got rid of me, I'd probably quit. I'm like, I'm not buying that. Why would you quit. You'd go somewhere else and prove them wrong. That's life. Yeah. I mean, like they, they don't define who you are. I mean, they, they don't define you. You define you. When you quit because they don't love you, that means that, you know, oh, they don't love me. I'm going to quit. Like, seriously, like toughen up. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to be a great quarterback, whether I wear this uniform or someone else's uniform. I don't give a shit. I can play, period. And this is the, the tougher answer, which I'm not sure about. Because at one point during the season, I think it was like week six, maybe week eight, you and I were like, you know what? Cars looking pretty good. Like Gruden seems to figure this out. Offense looks good. And then all of a sudden they fall apart. So if you're running the Raiders, you, Michael Lombardi, are you confident that Carr can be a guy you can make a playoff run with. And, and to be clear, you and I both know, of course, Watson, Rodgers, Wilson, those guys would be major upgrades. I get that. But right now, if I said to you, hey, you think you can win with Carr? What do you think? I, I think the problem with Carr is, is what we've said on this pod. What's his extension going to look like? What are you willing to pay him? Now, if he just said to you, I want to be a Raider for life, I think tomorrow I would call him on the phone and say, Derek, you want to be here for life? $25 million for four more years. I'll guarantee all of it. I'll guarantee it all. $100 million guaranteed. I'll pay you $25 a year. You know, do you want that deal? 
You want that deal? If you want to be a Raider for life, here it is. Here's $100 million, four-year contract, guaranteed. Boom. $25 million a year. You want that deal? I'm, sign me up. Because if you sign this deal, we can sign a lot of other players. You're, you become friendly. If you want $40 million, you, you're going to have to put another uniform on. You want $35? You're going to have to consider another uniform. 25, four years, I'll pay $100 million guaranteed. Go. What do you want? What do you want? You want to be here forever? Here it is. Here's forever. Forever also has a $100 million bow around it. And then I start building. Because you can, the guy's proven. As much as I've been critical of him, he's averaged more yards per attempt under Gruden than ever in his career. He's at 794 last year. We're really remarkable. 36 plays of over 25 yards. They've got a running game. He was sensational. Think about this. He was sensational on third down. He averaged 9.2 yards per attempt on third down. Meanwhile, you know, our man Tua, don't say a bad word about Tua, was at 4-5. So, like, like, look, you know, let's just put it in. The guy played really, really well. He wasn't the reason they lost. There might be one or two plays you wish he would play better than, sure. But to me, he's a bona fide top 15 quarterback in the league. And if you can get him for $25 million a year and he's 100, do it. The problem is if he wants $40 million to be in the Dak Prescott territory, if he wants to be with near Mahomes or Watson, hold on. You ain't that. And that really is the conversation that we'll talk about next with Baker Mayfield. Exactly. It always comes down to the numbers. By the way, I like that $400 million for both sides. From Carl, I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. And that will give, like you said, the Raiders some flexibility. Question now becomes, as you said, with Baker Mayfield, who is in no rush to get an extension done with the Browns. This comes after Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward, both drafted with Mayfield 2018, have publicly expressed their desires to play for the team long term. What about Baker, you say? Uh, I mean, I'm in no rush because that's, I'm just trying to win games. And like I said, it's, uh, it'll, it'll handle itself. I'm sure Tom and Jack Mills are, are handling that. Um, I don't try and feed too much into that because, you know, that's like wasting my time and energy and thought process on stuff that I'm not in control of right now. So I'm, I'm going to handle what I can control. So here's the numbers. They already picked up his fifth year option, which will pay him $18.6 million during the 2022 season. And it's like the famous line of statistics, right? It's like a woman wearing a bikini. They tell part of the story. They don't tell the whole story. But I'll give you some of the stats here on Mayfield. He led the Browns their first playoff win in 26 years. Okay, I could quibble with that and say, well, I think it was the defense. I think it was other players. But sure, Baker Mayfield is the quarterback of a playoff team. That is true. He threw 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions on 63% completion. He also ranked third in QBR during week 7 to 15 behind only Rodgers and Mahomes. And for me, Mike, if I'm the Browns, He's not in a rush for an extension. You know what? I'm not in a rush to give you an extension. I like to see how you play this year. If you give me back-to-back years of that kind of quality, then I'll open up the vault. But I don't think the Browns need to give him big money right now because I still think there's question marks. You? I, I do too. And I, and I, But I think this. I think the vault, I think you've got to put it in perspective. Look, you know, when, when, when you're running this offense, you are really good. And we play a part in that. And so now do we pay a $5 million a year part in that? Do we pay an $8 million a year part in that? But, you know, we tried to do it your way in 19. It didn't work. We're doing it our way in 2020, and it worked much better. It worked much better. So if you're willing to take an economic deal that puts you in the same category of, say, Russell Wilson at $33 million or some of the older contracts that were done, but if this gets to 40, you know, what happens is we pay you 40. We don't want to, but we will. But now we pay you 40, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're not going to be able to sign Chubb. We're not going to be able to sign, you know, 
all these other Denzel Ward. We're, we're going to lose some guys. We're just not. It's we just can't afford it on the cap. So if you want all the money, if you want to eat all the rigatoni, go ahead. But we can't live like that. And that's why I think in in this process, in terms of like, you know, when players say it's not something they can c- control. They can, though, because the agent can obviously say, listen, if you give Baker this kind of money, we'd be willing to do this, right? You can at least initiate conversations. But I think it goes both ways. I think Baker feels like, hey, if I step up big time, I can get into that $35, $40 million range. And the Browns say, hey, we need to see one more year from you. So again, I think it works out for both sides. But don't tell me it's not something you can control. If you tell your agent, get the deal done at a discount, as you were saying with Derek Carr, then you could get a deal done. No? Right. But I think his answer, AD, was the best answer. I mean, it's exactly the answer. I, I, I want to focus on winning, all that. Meanwhile, I'm sure he's, that's his agent. Let him handle that. I get that. And I'm with you. Like, I'm with you. We picked up his fifth-year option. Like, we've got that. Like, let's just see what happens. Let's have another year. Let's play it through. Patience. One thing I learned from, I learned a lot from Al Davis, but, you know, he hated making decisions that ultimately became uh, <laughs> helpful for him. Because the longer he delayed a decision, more enlightenment came. Wisdom came later. And I think that's ultimately the case here. Coming up next, NFC East, more like NFC least. But Dak is back. The beard lands in Washington. And is it now or never for Jason Garrett? Our full NFC East preview next on the GM Shuffle. All right, this is the best time of the year for any sports fan. The college basketball tournament is coming up. Who could get enough hoops? And I'm rooting for Arizona this year. I'm a West Coast guy. I want to see a West Coast team win it. Hasn't been done since 1997. Hopefully the Wildcats can get it done. But regardless of who makes it to the final game in the tourney, one thing's for certain. It takes the most talented people working together to help these teams play at this level. And if you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. And right now, our friends over at ZipRecruiter can help you do that. ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. You can try it out, no cost whatsoever. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for your position. Once you review your list of the most qualified candidates, you can easily invite your top choices to apply so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash shuffle. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, this is a time right now here in the NFL calendar. We can start going division by division here on the GM Shuffle until training camps will open in late July and then we can dig into more news. So this week, we're going to kick it off with the NFC East. Washington last year at 7-9 and nine made the playoffs. I know, keep your Snickers to yourself. The over-under win total is at 8. Ryan Fitzpatrick, now the offense. They've got a great D-line. We all know that. Chase Young, defensive rookie of the year. But over-under at 8, Mike, you're taking the over or the under. I'm going over. I'm going to go over too. I think the question, you know, if we follow the John Robinson, the GM, the if, if, you know, if this comes through, if that comes through, if this comes through, we really got a good team. You know, I think if we follow the if program for Washington's football team, the ifs really line up with the offensive line. They signed Charles Leno at left tackle. Right tackle is a Cornelius Lucas. Who is it going to be? I mean, the inside can be fairly good. They've got, they've re-signed Flowers, who they liked. They've got They've got uh, Brandon Scherf there to play guard. 
I think the two questions, the two ifs are, can we get production out of Fitzpatrick? Production defined this way, AD. Don't turn the ball over. Don't lose the game for us. Don't fuck it up. You know, make the plays that are there. Make the easy plays. Don't try to be a hero. And can we protect well enough? I think they're a little light at running back. I think they need to get. But I think where they really improved is defensively and why I like them over eight. Because I think William Jackson gives them a legitimate big-time corner to go along with Kendall Fuller. I think they can rush the passer effectively with their defensive front. And I think that their ability to play defense and wear teams down, I think if they get any production out of their offense that doesn't turn the ball over, I think they're going to be a good team. I go over eight here. The New York Giants were 6-10 and 10 a season ago. That was second in the NFC East. They've since added wide receiver Kenny Galladay. And cornerback Adoree Jackson, they drafted Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver out of Florida, with their first-round pick. Obviously, the health of Saquon Barkley is critical. He tore his ACL last season. Daniel Jones, in some ways, a make-or-break year. Jason Garrett trying to prove, hey, I'm not just an OC. I should be a head coach. Over-under win total at seven. I'm going to take the under. I think they're a 6-10 team. How about you, Mike? Well, they get 11 games, so that's why I think they might be— It might To me, I might go over. I think they're an 8-9 team. And I say that because I think that the way they played defense last year, I don't like their team. Look, first of all, every if you're betting the Giants on the over, you're saying Daniel Jones is going to improve. I wrote this column for The Athletic. He's thrown in, in his 29-game career in the National Football League. He's had five games where he's thrown over 300 yards. None of them have been with Jason Garrett. Okay, None of them have been with Garrett. He has never thrown for a 300-yard passing day with Jason Garrett. He had he's had 39 passes in those 29 games of plus 25 yards. Okay, only 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 19 have come with Garrett. So he, he, Garrett's got. I mean, really, the guy on the hot seat in New York is Garrett, and it's fucking hot because it was an arranged marriage, right? I mean, Judge and G- Judge became the head coach. The giant front office will well, we'll pair Marit will pair Judge with Garrett, and we really got a guru. Well, we've yet to see the rue and the guru out of Jason Garrett. Now, you know, last year they were horrendous in most offensive statistics. It was obvious they've improved their skill players. You know, they get Galladay to come in there. They draft Tony. Barkley comes back, you say, great. Well, Barkley averaged 0.6 yards a carry opening day against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That ain't on. That ain't just on the offensive line. That's on scheme. That's on not understanding how to motion. That's not understanding how to shift. The key to running the football in the NFL is how you can mess around and get a half a man advantage and fuck with the run force. That's something they didn't do. They were the least team in the National Football League in terms of motions and shifts. So I think the big pressure is on Garrett. I don't trust it. I don't like it. Jones is, you know, Jones has got 20 fumbles in 29 games. He's lost 12 of them. He doesn't play fast. When they blitz him, it struggled for him. And, you know, on third down, the game speeds up. So, and what offense is he good at? You know, what is he really good at doing? And I think that's the issue. So I, I think they could win eight. I think you're right. I, I think seven's probably the perfect number with 17 games. They're, you know, seven and 10, you're not any good, right? I mean, let's be honest. You lose 10 games, you ain't any good. Yeah, and thank you for the reminder on the extra game. Good point. Cowboys right now, last season, 6-10, and 10, third in the NFC East. Remember the hype and the expectations? Peter King, I believe, had them going. He had them as a number one seed. I don't think he had them going to the Super Bowl, but everyone was like, oh, man, win the division. Big contender instead, 6-10, and 10, third in the East. Obviously, we know Dak fractured ankle last season. He's got to bounce back. He re-signed four years, $160 million. The over-under win total is 9.5. Now, naturally, we look a lot at Dak, and we'll get to that in a second, Mike, but I do think Dan Quinn is critical here. This is the D.C. coming over for a 28th-ranked defense. Can he give them a real jump start? That's the question. 
How good are they on defense? And can they play in the Dan Quinn scheme? And how much has he changed this scheme in order to be effective? As I've said many times on the pod, you know, the Pete Carroll system of defense is kind of losing its luster. You can't play cover three. You can't play off coverage. You can't play. You got to be really good up front. You got to dominate the defensive front. Are they good enough to dominate the defensive front? We shall see. And then are they, you know, they get their two tackles back on offense. They should be offensively they should be as good as any team in the league assuming assuming they can figure out the off inside the offensive line they get zach martin connor williams at the left guard zach at right guard they get collins back at right tackle if tyrod smith can stay healthy at left tackle that's huge and you know they can run the football they got zeke i I mean they've got a lot of skill it's funny how they're the favorite to win the division when in fact they they didn't win it last year because of injuries We'll, we shall see. I think you're right. I think Dan Quinn, it's on the hot seat big time. And that also means when it comes to Dallas, again, with their offense, C.D. Lamb, the wide receiver, maybe he makes a big jump with them. Um, they drafted Micah Parsons, by the way, linebacker to Penn State. That's their first-round pick. I'm going to go over. Over under at nine and a half. I'm picking Washington over. I went Giants under. I'll go Cowboys over. I guess I'm going 10-7 and seven right now with this team. I feel like Dak can get back to being Dak. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a good call. I I. I, I you know, I lean towards the under just a tad. I just don't trust the sting. I just don't trust them to stay healthy. I really don't. Fair enough. And it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. They've had injuries. God, their offensive line a year ago, as you pointed out, was ravaged. Last season, they went 4-11-1. Dead last the East. They do have Devontae Smith. He's unbelievable. Coming out of Alabama. Best receiver they've had in a while, at least from the draft. They've got Ryan Kerrigan, Jordan Howard, the running back. Joe Flacco is their backup. But now it's Jalen Hurts' team. Over-unders at six and a half. I'm taking the under. I feel like they are, you know, that sounds about right. They're probably a six-win team, six and 11. They still got lots of holes to fill. And a lot of questions are going to be about Jalen Hurts. Can he take over as a starting quarterback? That's the most intriguing question. We'll wait to see, Mike. But this is clearly a team in transition, which is a year ago, a team that thought they actually might contend for a division title. You know, I think that, you're, you you know, if you're taking the under, you're saying you're not betting on Seriani. First year as a head coach, going to be a challenge for him, right? First year, you know, new defense coordinator, new offensive coordinator. You're saying it's a challenge. And then you're saying, where are we with Jalen Hurts? You know, where, where how good are we going to be? You know, can we actually, li- can this offensive line, the right side of the line, whether it's Kelsey Brooks and Johnson, all over 30, can they stay healthy? Injuries have killed this Eagle team the last two years, last three years since they let uh, Dr. DeLuca go. So that's always been a problem. And now, where are they on defense? You know, to me, I think the biggest question mark is defensively. They're good up front. I mean, when they're healthy, can Barnett stay healthy? Can Graham, can Fletcher stay healthy? The reality of it is, is that they don't have any linebackers to really fit this scheme. They're going to play the Colts scheme, which relies on a lot of athleticism and speed. And do they have enough cover people in the back end? Slay can cover, but who else? So to me, I'm with you. I think seven is probably a reach. Six and a half is good. I think they're a six and 11 team. I'll go under here. All right, we agree there on the NFC East. And once again, we'll go division by division here on the shuffle, building up to training camp. All three quarterbacks on the Jets roster have combined for a total of zero career NFL regular season snaps. Are they primed to screw up yet another rebuild? Another high draft quarterback? We'll find out next. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. 
my daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule. And that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule. And that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. So the Jets currently have three quarterbacks on the roster. None of them have ever taken a snap in an NFL regular season game. Zach Wilson, everyone's already playing the parade in Manhattan, number one overall pick out of BYU. You got Mike White. Mr. White is a third year out of Western Kentucky and James Morgan's second year Florida International. Now, head coach Robert Sala said, to just think that because they're a veteran, it's going to help a quarterback. There's a match that has to happen. There's a scheme familiarity that has to happen. If you just bring in a veteran who doesn't know your scheme, he's learning just like the rookie is. Aside from helping him with rehab and study habits, which I think Zach and that entire quarterback room is already ahead of the curve on how they handle their bodies and study, I don't know if there's much value. So how do you handle this, Mike? 
Do you look to add a veteran backup quarterback to give these guys some depth? Well, I think, you know, when you when you look at what he said, I think it's true. I think sometimes people make the mistake of saying, well, you know, we bring a backup, a veteran. I mean, most veterans, the offenses, they can get it pretty quickly. So they're not like rookies. They understand the concepts. But what veteran are you bringing in? I mean, say they sign Nick Foles. You know, because Nick Foles, you could have Nick Foles. The problem is you don't want to assume the guarantees. That's why Nick Foles is still on the Bears, because the, his guarantees keep him there. Nobody wants to take him off the hook. But if, if I were the Jets, I wouldn't be as concerned about finding a, any backup. I would want the right backup. Not necessarily because I want it to be somebody that can influence Zach Wilson. That's what the coaches get paid. You're paying your offense coordinator $2 million a year. He better be coaching Zach Wilson on what it takes to be a good player. You don't need some player. You don't need a player to come in and show them. You know, the coach, that's a coach's job. What does it take to be a good player? So I agree with Salah on what he said. I think they have to eventually keep their eyes and ears open. And, and what will happen is once the season, somebody will come out free. The last thing you want to do is guarantee Joe Flacco the year's salary and him not be good enough. You know, you're better off playing Mike White or James Morgan. They're not good enough, but you don't have to guarantee him the whole year. Um, it's interesting, like you said, in terms of other guys you can use and in terms of using your system. Brian Hoyer has spent 12 seasons in the NFL, half of them with the Patriots as a backup quarterback. When asked about his role in helping develop younger quarterbacks, Hoyer responded with, I'm not the quarterback's coach. So that's not really my responsibility. So if you're bringing in a backup quarterback, how do you manage that aspect of it? Hoyer and, you know, just the different responsibilities with the coaching staff. Well, I think what the veteran has to do is think he's coming in to start and take his job and show the show the guy, not through his words, through his actions of what it's going to take. If you bring a guy in just to hold the clipboard, he can't lead anybody. Nobody follows anybody that doesn't play. So what you want to try to do is create competition, unlike what Matt Nagy wants to do. You want to create competition. You want to show him what it's like to compete every single day at practice. Have a working friendship, but make it make them so that they compete. Make it so that it's it's important. I think that's what you have to do. I think Hoyer's right. It's not his job. It's not his responsibility to make the guy better. He's competing with them. All right, my guy is warmed up now. We got the NFL talk out of the way. Now Michael Lombardi gets to unleash his angst. We have not actually talked a lot of Sixers this year in the podcast. I mean, early in the year, we talked about Doc Rivers, and you're excited to have him there and Embiid up and down. But a lot of people said MVP campaign, great regular season. Well, now the Atlanta Hawks are up 3-2. And Joel Embiid in game four, 0 for 12 in the second half. They lost by three. Now in game five, he didn't start eight of eight from the field. But a monumental collapse as the Sixers were up 26 points, two minutes left in the third quarter. And how is this for your stat of the day? 165-0 and 0 when leading by 25 or more in the last 25 seasons. How many pillow cushions did you hit? How much hair did you pull out? How enraged <laughs> were you? I was as calm as I could ever be because what I was witnessing, what I was watching, AD, was something that I have been screaming about for five years. Because when you build an organization on not demanding excellence, on take a day off, you know, you have an injury, miss two years. You have an injury, take a year off. Oh, you feel a little chest cold coming on, take time off. When you build an organization around not competing, around not developing mental toughness, about not wanting the players to excel to a high level, always making excuses for the players, and then you reward the players with huge contracts. This is what you get. See, if you don't train a team to be prepared to handle the tough times, how do they handle the tough times? And I've said this all along. I think the process is full of shit. 
because the process doesn't do anything about culture. It doesn't do anything about mental toughness. So as I watch this unfold, a team like Atlanta, who never went through the process, they have, not that they're great, they have way more mental toughness than we do. Way more. Because their organization has more. We, as an organization, I think it's really easy to say, Ben Simmons sucks, he missed three throws, that's why they lost. Easy. But remember, the hardest job in sports is to figure out why you win and why you lose. Why you win and why you lose. And if the 76ers think it's because they they lost that game because of missed free throws, it's because they fail to understand organizationally what it takes to be successful. That's ultimately why I did I haven't reacted. I haven't reacted. You know, it takes mental toughness to win titles. You when it gets hard, you can't disappear. You know, they've got to be able to show up. If a team never prepares for challenging times, always taking the path of least resistance, then why are they surprised when when it matters most, things fall apart? Teams are what they are trained to become. They never become without training. And I, and I think that's ultimately what we're talking about. The difference between good and great lies in the ability to play great when it matters most. When it's hard. When it's hard. But if you've never, if you built an organization on removing hard from the players, everything's an excuse, then why would I be surprised of the results? See, everybody here in my house, Millie, everybody, you're just a, you're Debbie. No, no, I know that I know the difference between good and great. I know the difference between an alpha dog and somebody who likes playing basketball. I know the difference between what it takes to win a championship. It takes mental toughness. And when you blow leads like they do, it's really clear. It's not the missed free throws. They have no mental toughness. They are S-O-F-T. They're soft. They're soft. That's what they are. They're soft. Nobody wants to admit it. I'm a big Sixer fan. I love the uniform. I, I tell people all the time, I love the uniform. I hate what they are. I don't like the players, the way they're treated. I don't like any of it. I think it's really not conducive to build. That's why Jimmy Butler wanted to leave. Jimmy Butler, you can say what you want about Butler, not beat it. Butler had the competitive nature when he's on the court. Somebody else doesn't want it. You know, can you imagine going four for 14 on three throws? You're not working hard enough. You're not, it doesn't mean enough to you because you know why? We just paid you $190 million. We rewarded you when you weren't even working on it. Indeed, we rewarded you when you wouldn't even get in shape. Why? It's not their fault. It's our fault, the culture that we built that allows this to happen. You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. It's an organizational problem. Here's why I like Doc. Because when they lose to the Hawks and they get eliminated, it ain't going to be Doc's fault. Someone's going to be held accountable. And they're going to have to take a look at themselves internally, organizationally, and find out why we can't win. Why we can't win. If the process, if I, you want me to trust the process, when Henke's letter never mentioned culture, it never mentioned mental toughness. Never. Those two words never, it mentioned asset management, which is why we trade Zaire Smith and, and we get a first round pick back and we give away Mikel Bridges. That's because it's asset management. It's not about improving. It's about managing our assets. So I was really calm and I'm still calm. I've seen this coming. I've seen this coming since the beginning. They will never win a championship the way they are. Never. They're going to have to trade Ben Simmons now because there's no way you're going to, he's going to be able to stay around and miss free throws. He takes so much crap as it is. And now you're telling me the process, trust the process. There's no toughness. Awfully frustrating. When the Sixers don't score a point for the final four minutes and 30 seconds, the Hawks run a 15-0 run 
It's now three, two series. Uh, as always, send us your mailbag questions, the GM shuffle at gmail.com. Send us a message on Instagram at the GM shuffle. This is from James. Hey guys, love the show. Appreciate the wisdom and insight. For a while, I've been bothered by the placement of certain NFL teams in certain divisions. Move Miami to the AFC South, Indy to the AFC North, and Baltimore to the AFC East. I would swap Dallas to the NFC South, don't like that, and Carolina to the NFC East. I think this could add new flavor and new rivalries. Would love to hear your thoughts. Well, I mean, I think ultimately the way it was set up, the, the East had Dallas and it was because of television rivalries because CBS or whoever had the NF, NFC games wanted that, th- th- those ratings. I think we're going to see this, James, we're going to see this in, in the NBA. Can you imagine if it's Milwaukee and Phoenix in the finals? I mean, what do you think the ratings are going to be like for that? You know, like the, you know, the, the, so they wanted ratings of big cities, New York, Philly, New York, Dallas. And I think a lot of it was structured towards television. But the way they exchange games now, AD, the way, you know, as Fox covers some games that you would think would be on CBS and they do all that, you could. But I, I think the rivalries that exist, I would hate to see a, a time where Dallas didn't play Washington twice a year. Like, I'm used to those rivalries. I really am. And, yeah, I know Miami's more of the AFC South, but – you know, I, I think Miami and New England, they belong together. Miami and Buffalo belong together. I, I don't want to sound like an old fart, but I do like the traditional rivalries. I am also a traditionalist as well. I know sometimes you look at geographic and go, how does that make sense? But especially Cowboys and the NFC East, I'm like, yeah, it just, it just fits because of Eagles and Giants and, and what to expect with Washington and all those teams together. For our pop culture minute, In the Heights, Lin-Manuel Miranda's new musical, available in theaters and on HBO Max. Not sure if you had a chance to see it, Mike, but very specific to a part of New York, which is Washington Heights. Um, All Latino, Dominicans, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, big melting pot. This was the musical he did before Hamilton. And I'd never seen the musical on Broadway, but I really enjoyed the production. I thought it was excellent music, very infectious. Um, Kind of deals with a lot of themes he did with Hamilton as well in terms of immigration and assimilation of finding your place. I just think he has such a gift. You know, we talk often about geniuses and just having skill sets and leadership. When I see Lin-Manuel Miranda, I go, that's just a guy who has such command of the medium. I'm not somebody who's excited to watch musicals, but if he's involved, if he has his imprint, then I'm there to see it. So I don't know if you and Millie are going to watch In the Heights, but I enjoyed it. It's on HBO Max. I will definitely watch it. I'll just definitely look into it. I just, Lupin came back on Netflix, so we started watching that. I got one more episode to do. It's that dub French show. It's pretty good. It's actually pretty good. So I started watching last night the Gordon Lightfoot documentary nice. before the Sixer game, which I should have watched it completely. Have you watched that yet? It's outstanding. No, but Gordon Lightfoot's unbelievable. Very underrated musician. Where is it? Where can I see it? It's on, I saw it on that. It was on Amazon Prime and they wanted to charge me and I passed on it. And now it's up there for free. So I got it. So it was good. It really was good. I should have watched it instead of watching the 76ers. At least Gordon Lightfoot competes. <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot always brought the heat. One other thought here, Talking Sopranos podcast with Chris, uh, Michael Imperioli, Stephen Sharippa. They recently had Dan Grimaldi on the podcast. And you and I love him, you know, Patsy Parisi, because when they were asked him, what's your favorite scene? He said, well, it's the scene where I confront Gloria. Like Gloria is your eternal flame. And anybody who has a heartbeat knows how sparkling she was on the screen. And he said that was his favorite moment playing Patsy Parisi who didn't have a lot of standalone moments. And Sharippa said to him, I always thought Pauly should have been one of the one to go threaten her. And he said, no, no, it made sense that it was Patsy because he's such a milquetoast kind of guy. And he said, delivering that line, that scene where, you know, if you ever go under Tony again, you know, 
you're, my face is the last one you're going to see and it's not going to be cinematic. I thought it was cool that he loves that scene as much as you and I enjoyed watching it. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I love the fact that he went in there to buy it and he had it. Uh, you know, it was perfect. I loved it. He was good in it. I mean, you know, they got he got killed and uh, his brother got killed. Remember, he's peeing in Tony's pool. He couldn't handle it, the twin <laughs> aspect. You know, it's so good. Yeah, he was fantastic in it. All right, that is the GM Shuffle. Thank you so much for checking us out. Mike's very busy right now. He's on his own. He's got the dog. So somehow we got through this and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Good luck to Philly, Mike, in game six. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE.